The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Listen, we stuff this podcast with ads like Jonathan Sullivan used to stuff his face with hot dogs during the pregame for Saints games. If you don't like the ads, sign up and become a patron today. Patrons get access to this podcast ad-free. No ads ever. And they get the Booze Bundle welcome box Four swag items, amazing, and a Saints player card, and you get access to the Discord channel. Why wouldn't you do it? It's 10 bucks. You're practically making money. So do it today. Go to SaintsHappyHour.com and sign up to become a patron. That's SaintsHappyHour.com. This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints happy cast? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's its painful. All right, everybody, welcome in to Saints Happy Hour Podcast. It's a Wednesday edition. That means it's time to do Andrew's grades. But let me tell you something. We do the podcast on the grades, but you should subscribe and become a $10 patron because that way you get access to Andrew's full written grades and you get the booze bundle sent to you courtesy of my wife. So do it. It's amazing. Andrew, when I read your grades, we always try to decide what to start with. Offense or defense. Today we're going to start with offense because the offense was so positive. And I just want to say... Drew Brees is back to being Drew Brees. Like, his little hiccups that he had the first couple weeks where we're like, oh, is he, you know, all the commentators, oh, is he washed, is he old, whatever. He's back up to leading the league in completion percentage. He's second in QBR. Like, he is rolling. And he did something yesterday I didn't think he could do at this stage where I really thought, and it's not a knock against him, I just thought Drew Brees at this stage of his career was dependent upon having Michael Thomas, having Emmanuel Sanders, having all these weapons around him. And he was like, nah, brah, I can still do it just as amazing as I always have. Now, I know Carolina's terrible, but Drew Brees, he was basically flawless yesterday, Andrew. Yeah, uh, that was about as close to a perfect game as we can expect from Brees at this stage of his career. And, um, you know, I I said this on the postgame, but I'll say it again. I think I would present that as exhibit you know, C, B, <laughs> yeah, you not know, work or C two, two C uh, of, you know, why he's so awesome. But uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, like, I, I feel like I'm always a prisoner of the moment with this stuff. And so yeah. I, I worry that I'm too like hyperbolic, you know, with the stuff sometimes. Yeah. And like, I, I, I tend to sensationalize. So I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Cause like breeze has had so many countless performances that are amazing, but yeah, to me, this got to be like a top five, top ten, maybe regular season yeah. game in Drew Brees' career. And I say that yeah. because, I mean, the stats were great, of course. And he was like, I can't remember. I think he was like at 130 quarterback rating or whatever. So, I mean, statistically, yeah. he completed 80% of his passes. And he was really, really good. But 
I I just go back to he was throwing to Marquez Callaway and Deontay Harris. Like those were his primary receivers. Those were the guys that he did the most damage with. And we're talking about two undrafted guys. And there's been this narrative circulating for a while now that it's like, you know, once upon a time, Drew Brees used to elevate, you know, his receivers. So yep. like Meach, Meacham, Devery Henderson, Willie Sneed, Lance Moore, you know, guys that are not necessarily that that good. I mean, they're good players, but like Brees would elevate those guys. Well, he doesn't do that anymore. And that's why you don't see nobody receivers, you know, kind of develop. You know, now now he needs a guy like Michael Thomas to elevate his games. So the script is flipped. And I just thought this game was a huge middle finger to those people. Because, like, nah, <laughs> he's still torching defenses with Marquez Callaway and Deontay Harris. So, well, and, and Traquan Smith. So, and, like, and, sorry, no, your, your narrative is wrong. Drew Brees is still amazing. And here's the thing, you know, people say, oh, you know, Carolina's defense is, is bad. And it is. But let me tell you something. Carolina last week – they played Chicago. They held Chicago to under 200 yards of offense. Now, I know you could say Nick Foles is trash and that and that, but Carolina, they were they felt like they were trending in the right direction, and the Saints carved them up. And you mentioned it in your grades. Um, guys were just open on the thing. And the thing that, that made me the most excited about Drew Brees yesterday, Andrew, was, yes, he was incredibly accurate, but he was back to being accurate in that Drew Brees way where it's not just he's completing the pass, it's I'm going to hit Marcus Callaway on third and five perfectly so he gets six yards. I'm going to hit Kamara perfectly so he gets a chance to convert a third and 14. And he was doing that where his accuracy was at an other level to to other quarterbacks in the league. He's back. And – you yeah. know, for when you go reason, back and watch the took... tape, Ralph, like which I did, uh, yeah, and I know a lot of fans don't have to do that, and that's okay because I do it for you. But <laughs> you know, the, the thing I go back to is we're all like spoiled by Breeze, and it's just there. It's little nuanced things. Like there's little throws. Like when you think about Kamara and you look at the game that he had, and you're like, my God, like how does he catch on third and eight? Right? How does he catch this play? Or on third and fourteen, how does he make this catch? And beat a guy and then get the first down. But there's a little nuance about that that you don't necessarily fully appreciate. And it's that Breeze puts the ball where it hits him perfectly in stride. And I'm just talking about like a millimeter. If it's just a little bit in front, it slows Kamara down. If it's a little bit like right in his gut, yeah, it slows him down. And what you don't understand is when Breeze is making that throw, on a couple of those, he's on the run – Camara is on the run. They're going in different directions. So like he's got to contort his body yep. to make that play and still put it in a spot where Camara's where stride isn't slowed at all. And it's like, yes, that's only a six-yard pass, but like I just don't see a lot of quarterbacks in the league throwing it that perfectly. And that's what happens there when you don't throw that perfectly is the stride gets broken, and on third and six you get hit, and it's fourth and two. And, like, the Saints move those chains because of ball placement. And Kamara's amazing. So Kamara's a big part of that puzzle, too, of course. But when Breeze is so laser pinpoint and locked in with his ball placement, that's where I just think he's – I I just – I think the Saints are in any game, and they can beat anybody when they have this Drew Breeze. 
Yeah, it's you know, it's it's like the old golf analogy. It's like good golfers put the ball in the fairway off the tee. Great golfers put the ball in the fairway where they want it. Right, so you cut that dog leg off. You put it in the left side of the fairway to open up greens, and that's what Breeze does. He just doesn't complete the pass. He puts it in a place where it lets other guys thrive. But Callaway, Andrew. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. He, look, I, I think Breeze obviously elevates him with a great quarterback, but he looks, he just looks like a dude that... How did he not get – how did a team not pick him? What did he do – what did he not – did he not have quarterbacks at Tennessee, which is possible? But, like, he runs good routes. He's got great size. He's got more speed than you think. Like, how did he not get well, drafted? I'm not saying I, he's going to turn into something great or good, real but, man, he's got yeah. physical skills. I need to start asking a very real and serious question about the Tennessee Volunteers football program. <laughs> I mean, we've now got Shai Tuttle undrafted. Marquez Callaway undrafted. And and by the way, Alvin Kamara fell to the third round. What the hell? <laughs> like, what's going on with their program? <laughs> they can't get these guys drafted or, or valued properly because clearly Tennessee has an insane amounts of talent. Yeah. And they are not maximizing these guys because NFL teams think they're not worth a shit. And clearly they're amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, another guy who we talked about Callaway, 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 guy who had a, he had, he had a big play at the end of the first half. Sean Payton said it after the game. He was like, that drive basically to score the touchdown to go ahead right before F was a game-winning drive. We just didn't realize at the time. I'm talking about Deontay Harris. He had some big plays, and he kind of got overshadowed by our – love of Callaway, he was really good Yes, I mean, he was really good on Sunday, Andrew. There were a couple routes that they ran with him uh, that were reminiscent of Ted Ginn. And this is what I love to see, where he's basically going full speed and it looks like it's a fly route. And the corner is respecting his speed and thinking, oh, you know, he's running a fly route, so I got to defend this. And then, boom, he either runs a, a comeback or out. 
and, and he runs the right. He sells it really well, right? Like he, he's he's going deep, and then he just rounds it off or cuts it off. And Breeze throws it 15 yards down the field, and there's no defender anywhere near him because they're respecting his speed. And that was just a trademark play that Ginn would pull off all the time. And so yeah. it's great to see Deontay Harris able to kind of incorporate this into his game because, number one, it requires ridiculous speed, which he has, but you also have to sell the route. You know, the corner has to believe that not only do you have top-end speed, which scares them, but that you know you're actually running that route you have to sell it and then cut it off pretty quickly and for for Breeze to hit Deontay Harris a couple times with big you know 15 16 yard gains where he just had a ton of cushion because of the way he sold it and ran the route to me that's really encouraging because like that that's something if they can start to incorporate that more into the offense that's just another layer that's gonna make life a little easier for Breeze and you know teams watch that on film right and, and, and teams are going to say to their corner and their safeties, look, Harris, you think he's going deep. He's not going deep. Breeze can't make that throw anymore. Don't believe it. And a corner will bite and go up. And you know what's going to happen? Dante, Deontay Harris is going to be all by him fucking, his fucking self. And Drew Breeze can do his arm punt. And it won't even matter because he'll be so wide open. Well, like that, that, that's, that's what it sets up. It sets up the double move. Yeah, that's ex- you're exactly right, Ralph. So that that's what you know. You watch it on tape, and that's the chess match that you're basically playing weeks ahead of time, right? You you show mm-hmm. that on tape, then you're exactly right. So teams start to see that. Okay, this is what they're doing, with Deontay. Don't bite on that. You know, crash crash on the comeback route. And so if someone does that and he does a double move, then you have an opportunity to touchdown. And I think teams will dare the Saints to do that, and eventually they'll be able to hit it. The wait is finally over. A triple header of fun is upon us this week. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff early and the MLB playoffs are in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wait than any other place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now we're going to talk about the offensive line. They, you gave Pete your only A plus, and I know the thing is with Pete, and we say this on the people who listen to the podcast regularly know it. He's been pretty good this year. The thing is with Pete is his. Bad plays are so awful that they over they can overshadow like two and a half quarters of good because his bad plays not only are they bad but they're like comedy gifable bad right um, yeah but but he was good today and you had great 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 grades for all the interior guys McCoy Ruiz Pete talk about what they did well th- I just don't think this was a front that posed many problems to them and you got a couple rookies on it uh in brown and um gross matos but i i just don't i just don't think this front is there yet i just think carolina is a ways away defensively uh, from really developing as a team so and i know they drafted all defense but to me that especially their front it's just not not that impressive so I, there was a huge advantage there i think just yeah. in terms of size and power and the saints i think you know, played to those strengths. And uh, that, that, that's where you saw them dominate, I think, in a favorable matchup. 
But you know, getting back to Pete, I did give him an A plus, and I, I just think, you know, we talk all the time about when he's compromised, uh, and you know, he's or his confidence is down. Uh, you know, he makes mistakes and he doesn't play well, but we know he can play at a Pro Bowl level when he's right. And mm-hmm. I, I just think going finally, he's healthy on the other side of the bye week. You know, he had a week off to kind of recover. And you could just see it physically. Like he's he moved really well in this game when he was pulling from left to right. Uh, yeah. So his movement was much better. And you know, really, he lost all that weight in the off season. But because he's had the ankle injury, I haven't really had a chance to watch him move without the weight because he's had a bum ankle. But now, I, I, this was the first time I really got a chance to see him move with the excess weight off, and and he looks quicker to me. He looks quick pulling on these plays and and so he's getting to his spots a little bit better and then i mean the power you just talk about the power with andres pete there's a two play sequence that i talked about in the grades that you know if you if you watched andres pete at all it's a play where and some of you fans will remember this it was the only target that adam troutman had the whole game um and it was a drop you know it was tight tightly contested throw ends up being a drop it's second and four and it's a passing play and, and, you know, on the surface, it's not much cause it's just, you know, it's just, it's just an incomplete pass, but you watch Andres Pete in pass protection and he hits the defensive tackle in the chest and completely knocks him <laughs> over. And, and, and Andres Pete is basically standing over his carcass and just being <laughs> like, yeah, I, I just, I just decleated you. I just dominated you. And so it, it's a great moment. Cause you're like, Holy shit. He's so powerful. And then on the very – so incomplete pass, very next play, third and four, they they throw like a little flare out to, to Kamara on third and four, and Pete pulls. So he's got Pete in front of him, and there's a corner coming up to try to make a play, and Pete completely annihilates him. And again, that talks to his speed, right? His mobility looks yeah. a little bit better, gets, gets to his spot, lays waste the corner. He's standing over that carcass as – as Alvin Kamara gets a first down and it was just back-to-back plays where you're just like, yeah. he just pancaked two dudes in a row and he's just standing o- over their dead bodies. Like it was just, it yeah. was just one of those things where it was just like, Oh my God, Andres Pete is on fire today. And it just seemed like every big play the offense had, especially in the run game, he was involved. Well, here's my, I have two more things and then we'll get to the defense. My first, my first question is as we talk about offensive line, look, Teron Armstead, he's hurt. That's a yearly occurrence with him. So my question to you is, you know, Sean Payton talks about a lot of times about the offensive line is we want to get the five best guys to play. So my question to you is, if Armstead can't go, they're playing Chicago, they're playing Tampa, two really good defenses, really good pass rushes, right? Do you think they leave Pete at guard or do they move Pete to left tackle? and try to get the five guys best, or do they go Hurst at left tackle? What do you think they're going to do at tackle oh, if Armstead can't go? That's a great question. That is a great question. Um, I tend to think that – oh, man, I don't I don't know what they're going to do, but I think Nick Easton at left guard and Andres Pete at left tackle is probably their best bet. Like, if you were to tell me like what gives them the best chance of playing well and winning. Now – you know, I think there's a there's another side of that coin, which is, do you really want when Andres Pete is just coming off such a fantastic game at left guard? Do you really want to 
shake his confidence by forcing yeah. him to play left tackle and, and mess him up. And, and it, part of it depends on how long Armstead's going to be out. Like if Armstead's out for the year, then I think you go ahead and put Pete at left tackle because that, that might be a long-term fix. But if yeah. he's only out for a week or two, I'm not sure you want to mess – with Pete's with, head, I, I think, especially yeah. on the heels of such a great game, like you want to build from that confidence. And so I, I think it really depends on how long Armstead's out. I think if it's a long-term fix, then yes, I think you go Pete at left tackle and yeah. Easton at left guard. Cause I think that's, that's your best lineup. If, well, if, if Armstead's only out for a week or two, then I, then I'd be more inclined to play James Hurst. Cause the thing is like, I don't know that there's a huge difference between Easton and Hurst. And I, I think, Hurst probably gets a bad rap from fans in the sense that he had three bad plays in this game and they stood out. Uh, but what didn't stand out is, you know, how ridiculously solid he was on every other play. I, yeah. I thought he actually played well. And I ended you, up giving you, him a C grade because the bad plays stand out. But but I, I thought he held up just fine at left tackle. Well, and you always say, look, if the Saints, they know that when if they know today that Armstead's not going to go and they decide to play Hurst, Sean Payton will – design the game plan knowing Hurst is the starting left tackle and he's got Khalil especially Mack. if he's going up against Khalil Mack yeah so they they will yeah. design it specifically to help him um my yeah. last question before we get to the defense is and I want to mention this uh because if you watched Arizona play Seattle late Sunday night they they Arizona ended up winning because Russell Wilson threw another pick in overtime but their kicker missed a kick that would have won them the game uh, they got a they got a reprieve, but that easily could have gone the other way for Arizona. And the reason I bring that up is the Saints have won three straight games by a combined twelve points, and Will Lutz is freaking perfect on the year. And when you're winning games by one score, it's a lot of things, but one of the reasons is Will Lutz is quietly just spectacular this year. Yeah, well, he hasn't missed a kick. He's perfect. He's better than spectacular. He's <laughs> utterly perfect. And, and you know, the thing that I was saying, right now he's the highest graded player on the team, um, Kamara's second. But, yeah, I mean, you're living on the razor's edge. And, you know, obviously the Saints were really fortunate that the Chargers missed a kick at the gun because yep. they would have lost that game and, and if he had made it. And then, uh, you know, with the Panthers, if he makes a 65-yarder there, who knows? Who knows how that plays out? Then it's a coin flip game. So um, I, I just think – the Saints are four and two, but they could easily be two and four or one and five with a little bit different kicking luck, right? And mm-hmm. when your kicker's perfect and you're living on the razor's edge, and I talked about this, I think, on the post game, but I just think it's a pretty huge difference in these close games when you're not making mistakes on special teams uh, with critical kicks. So, yeah. you know, Will Lutz, and- I mean, what more can you say about the guy? You know, he's on fire right now, he's playing incredible. Uh, you know, I hope he saves any misses that he has in him this year for games where the Saints are up by multiple scores. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, but I, yeah. So I hope I hope his misses are timely. But uh, you know, I, I just have to say it's just it's just incredible to see him kicking at this level. And well, you know, I, I said it's, this it's been in huge. My Channel it's been Four huge. column uh, Monday after the game is that look, the Saints clearly they're not the elite elite team that they. That we, we, we're used to seeing in 2018-2019. So they're in that group of 20 teams that it's going to be one score. And, you know, you got some teams like the Saints, I think, are at the higher end, and you got some teams that are at the lower end. But they're in that one-score world now. And when you're in that one-score world, when you got a perfect kicker, 
it helps you. Um, well, I'll say this, Ralph. Um, you know, if you were to ask me through six games who the Saints MVP is, you know, I know I, I know I said Lutz has the highest grade of the team, but I'd, I'd still go Camaro, of course, because he's a position yeah. player. And, you know, he I, I, I think no one's going to disagree with me on that. Camaro has been so great so far this year. He's definitely the MVP and uh, at least through six games. And he's yeah. been the best player on the roster Tremendous. and he's carried them to this four and two record. But after Camara, is there a single guy on this roster that you would put ahead of Will Lutz in terms of, you know, be- best no. player on the team? I-, I would say he's number two. I, I mean, even no. I think the third highest graded player I have is, uh, is McCoy actually. And uh, I think Armstead and Ramchek aren't far behind that, but I, I just think, if you go roster top to bottom, how can you elevate anyone at number two over Will Lutz? No, and especially now that, like I said, they're they're in this one score world, your kicker becomes even more valuable. Like if you're if you're an elite team and you're just crushing teams like Kansas City. I mean, Pittsburgh didn't crush they didn't crush Tennessee this week, but they're an elite team, right? If you're those team. You can get by with like a B B plus kicker, right? Because it doesn't necessarily. Oh, you could probably get by with a C plus. Kicker. Yeah. yeah, the Saints in 2020 they need perfect Will Lutz. So I just think I just think it's worth mentioning. Now we get to the defense, and the interesting thing about defense is you talked about it on the Big Show, which everybody should check out if they haven't, and you talked about it when I talked to you Sunday after our phone call after the Saints won. You said, "Look, Ralph, the Saints defense." It wasn't as bad as you think. They did a lot of good stuff uh, against Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater was just hot, but they did a lot of good things. Let's talk about the good before we get to the bad. And I thought the, they they stoned Carolina in the run game. Just they they took Carolina's run game and just smothered it to death. And I know Teddy was great, but the front they they did they held up against Carolina um you had good you had C plus grades I felt like they played a little bit better what did you see from the defensive line yeah they were stout um you know Malcolm Brown helps uh in the middle I mean he's just such a good he just does such a good job I think of plugging holes and and creating tough running lanes but you know, I, I don't think the tackling was great. I actually thought, you know, Anzalone was benched for a little bit. I actually thought he did a great job against the run, at least. And and I just think Mike Davis, he can be a slippery player, but I, I think they just did a great job of staying in their gaps, being physical. I, I think yeah. the Saints are just a good run defense, and there's a reason why they, you know, they haven't given up a 100-yard rusher in 49 consecutive games now. So that's been good. Um you know, I think the defensive line, the only thing, I thought the pass rush was actually okay. Everyone was really critical of the pass rush. But I think a lot of times the Saints would only rush three or four. Um, and, you know, they were playing brackets. I mean, they, they, they were trying to force Teddy to be accurate with the ball, even if he had time. But, you know, I, I think Teddy, when he got more than three rushers or four rushers, I mean, the ball was coming out so quick. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to tip your hat to the quarterback, you know, and just, yeah. he, he played too well. You know, it's, it's hard to sack guys when they're getting the ball out in two seconds. And so I, I don't know that the defensive line that I would point the finger in anyone and say they played miserable. I, I just think Teddy played well and he was tough to sack. But my only kind of criticism, I guess, of the defensive line would be that they didn't really finish plays. Onyemata had a couple chances at a sack. 
Uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson had a clean shot on a blitz. Um, you know, so th- there were some opportunities. Sheldon Rankins, I think, had one. So like, there were opportunities to sack Teddy Bridgewater, and I just feel like they didn't do a great job of finishing plays in that game. Yeah, the thing with the defense is, and we talked about this, the concerns that you have, and and my question is, you know. With Marcus Williams, he's struggling so much. And, and you remember, I don't – it's so – it was 20 – it was, what, 2013, right? The Saints, Charles Brown was so bad at left tackle. Eventually, Sean Payton was like, I have seen enough. And he put Armstead in, and we were like, oh, my God. They're playing this – we know Charles Brown is, is bad, but they're going to play this rookie in their biggest games the last month of the year. How is this going to go? It worked out fine. And here we are, eight years later, Armstead's all pro. But my question to you is, what's the tipping point going to be with Marcus Williams where Sean Payton is going to be like, dude, I have seen enough, and you're done? I think it could come sooner than we think. Um, you know, I, I tend to think that he gets a pass against the Panthers because Teddy Bridgewater was playing well, and you know, he's, it's good quarterback play. But and, and, you know, the Saints could survive yeah. that mistake because – and it was a huge one, don't get me wrong, but – they were moving the football fine. You know, it wasn't a game where you felt like we can't make up that score, but uh, they're playing the bears this week. And I, I think that especially if Armstead doesn't play, this could easily be a 20 to 17 kind of game, because I know the saints aren't going to want to get in a position where James Hurst is one-on-one with Khalil Mack and they're trying to block him, you know? Yeah. And so I, I just think it, it could easily be a 20 to 17 yeah. kind of game. And when it's that kind of game, you can't bail out a quarterback like Nick Foles and his trash receivers with an 82-yard bomb because of broken coverage. Like, it can't happen. And so when you ask the question, what moment will that be where Sean Payton has seen enough, it's a game like that because a mistake like that against the Bears in a game like Swings that it. will cost the Saints the win. Yeah, because in a, in a game like the Bears where if you are up 13-3 to – like, you can basically choke the Bears out, right? You give up a play like that, it's 13-10. Or, flip side, if you're losing 10-6 to and they hit it, and it's 17-6, to then you're, then you're in the hole. So, it'll be interesting. The thing is, they don't have a young player to plug in like they did with Charles Brown before, where they had Armstead. So, it's a question of, will they go out and maybe try to make a move for a safety because you know DJ Swearinger, he's a veteran, but he's not gonna he's not gonna light the world on fire. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their weed whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped weed whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience and is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 90 minutes of use. Have you ever pulled your nose hair out with your fingers? That might hurt worse than nicking your balls. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence while providing hygiene. Yes, you will get a replacement blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major 
turn off. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code armchair what are you waiting for go whack your weeds other thing that I was concerned about with your grades is Cam Jordan we're week six and like he's not washed but he's not the Cam Jordan of the last five years are we getting to the point where like the light isn't going to come on for him, and he's just going to kind of be this average defensive end. When do you start yeah. to panic about him? I, I'm there. I, I'm worried uh, because I, I just think, you know, I watched this game, and Trey Hendrickson really gave the Saints nothing, even though he started and played a lot. And one thing I saw pretty clearly, and, and I don't know what's going on with Marcus Davenport in terms of, you know, they may be trying to manage his snaps, and it may yeah. just be that, you know, hey, he can't play too much with his arm. We want to try to get him through the season. So we may have to yeah. limit his snaps, but you know, ideally I saw pretty clearly in this game that ideally Marcus Davenport is starting over Hendrickson and Marcus Davenport. Cause like as great as Trey Hendrickson has played and I love the guy, there's a clear difference between the two physically, just yes. in terms of their impact, in terms of their skill. If Davenport can play and he can go, he needs to be seeing more snaps than Davenport, and, so, and I'm sorry. To me, it's, and so, with, with Davenport, it's got to be, it's got to be a we he he only can give us X amount of snaps, so we got to save. Maybe, those but for I'm, maybe times. it's also that they're building it back up. You know, That's it, could, true. it could be that. So I'm hoping it's the latter. But you're right; it, it may be the former that you know he he, he can only look yeah. given his injury, he can only go you know X amount of snaps. So we yeah. have to start Hendrickson and play him more, but. You know, the, the concern there with, with, on the other side with Cam is just that he doesn't look like himself. Um, he's still stout against the run, so he still has that physicality and that power, but he's just not moving that well. He doesn't look explosive to me, and so I worry about Cam for the rest of the season. So now, like, if you have, like, kind of a, a try-hard defensive end that's maybe playing above his level, you know, a, a superstar yeah. that's playing way below his level, and then, like an injured third guy that is playing on is, is a freak talent, but is playing on limited snaps. Now all of a sudden you have this three man rotation and you're not really yeah. feeling like any of them are great. They're all three of them are just well, like, and eh, I hope they have a good game this week. And so that's not a great place to be. And so I am a little concerned about the pass well, rush in the sense it, that if, if they're not getting normal cam Jordan from cam Jordan and Davenport's kind of an, in a limited snaps role, it's, it's just not a great situation. Well, and, the trouble for the Saints, too, is trade deadline next Tuesday, same as the election. Remember to go vote. Um, but, you know, the all the bad teams in the NFL, they're all in the same division. The NFC East is a dumpster fire, right? And, like, normally you would be like, Washington, they have Ryan Kerrigan. We could get him for a third or a fourth round pick. Oh, Dallas, maybe they want to throw in the towel. We could get, you know, uh, Alden Smith or – um, I forget the 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 big pass rusher they have that's really great. Uh, that's Lawrence. been there for a while. Or Philadelphia, right? But they're all so bad. Like Washington's two and five, and you're like they're terrible. They're half a game out of first. So like all these NFC East teams, instead of being like let's sell to get draft picks for next year, they're like maybe we can go seven and nine and win this division. So I wonder like what's going to be out there at the trade deadline, right? You know. Um, 
So it's going to be – I think it's going to be – it could be a challenge for the Saints to add even though we know they're willing to burn assets to do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Uh, yeah, I still think there's plenty of teams out there. The Vikings, um, you know, they're the Texans. I mean, there, there's plenty of teams that are kind of hopeless and you may have to ship some guys out. So, you're, and, you know, we're, we're a week away, so it'll be interesting to see what happens Sunday. That may kind of push some teams over the edge of thinking, yeah, we, we need to ship some guys out. So we'll wait and see. But 
I think if you were to ask me right now what position the Saints need the most, I think in light of everything I just said about Cam Jordan, Hendrickson, and Davenport, I, I think they need a fourth guy. I really do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I my, my main thing with Marcus Williams, we haven't talked about Chauncey Garner-Johnson yet, and I'm sure yeah. we're going to do that in a second. But uh, the, my main thing with Marcus Williams is, I think he's a free safety, so I don't know. I mean, Harrison Smith of the Vikings, like there, there's some guys, I mean, I, I would potentially consider that. Like if he has another really bad game against the Bears, like I start to worry that he's not fixable and that you need to replace him. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He's been up and down this year. Uh, he was down yeah. against Carolina. Are you concerned that he's sort of a guy that you can't depend on going forward? Or no, I think so. Uh, let me preface this by saying I thought Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins played both good games, and that yeah. was good to see because they haven't had great seasons either of them. Yeah, and for them to come back in this game and play at what I thought was a high level uh, was important for this defense. So when I say like it wasn't as bad as you thought, you're starting outside corners in that game. Bridgewater only tested him a handful of times and when he did it didn't work and so he didn't go back to them and I that that to me is a good sign and if you're a Saints fan you should feel like that's promising that at least the corners are stepping up their play and they look like on the other side of the bye that really benefited them and they played better um the problem in this game is that Chauncey Gunner Johnson like targeting him was their whole offense and they burnt him to a crisp and you know, at times he was facing Robbie Anderson in, in the in the slot, and that was a disaster. And then it was Curtis Samuel. It really didn't matter. Uh, but, you know, those are two kind of fast, quick-twitch athletes that are, are tough covers. And I just think that was a bad matchup for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Look, he's a young player. He's got a lot of yeah. talent. He'll get better. But remember, he's not really a slot corner. He's a safety. And yeah. the Saints are moving him around because they love his versatility, and they think – he can do that stuff, but it's one thing when you're matching up against a tight end or a running back in coverage, but when you're in the slot going up against Robbie Anderson, who's like, well, he was like two in the league going into the game yeah. in yards, and Curtis Samuel, who is, you know, uh, I mean, he, he's been inconsistent in his career, but he's a very quick player, and he, he's yeah. kind of one of those traditional slot receivers. Those are very, very tough covers for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and I just think he, he showed kind of his limitations there. And I, I, I would just say this to me, that was more of like a Malcolm Jenkins against Darren Waller scenario where like it was just a tough matchup one week. And I don't think it's an indictment of the player in the sense like I don't think he sucks all of a sudden. I, think, I just think it was a tough matchup and he had a bad game and it just didn't work out for him. But I question the coaching staff in the sense that when you're getting beat that bad, you got two guys on the roster that were specifically brought in to play the slot. P.J. Williams does a good he, – he has a history of playing well in the slot. Yeah. Patrick Robinson has a better history of playing in the slot. Patrick Robinson has been playing pretty good so far this year, and yeah. so, his whole deal is playing in the slot. And I, I just think Patrick Robinson, when you look at his physicality and how strong he is and how good his technique is, you know, if he could have played press on Robbie Anderson or Curtis Samuel, who are both kind of diminutive – smaller frame receivers i just think patrick robinson could have beat them up at the line of scrimmage frozen them a little bit and it would have taken away those slants and those quick throws that teddy bridgewater was supposed to do you know or what was doing in that game to kind of attack the saints defense 
And I, I, I just can't help but kind of blame Dennis Allen a little bit. And I, I get that you don't want to pull your young player and hurt his confidence, but like that was a chess move that I think you put Patrick Robinson in there. I actually think it could have helped tremendously. And I don't love that he didn't get put in the game there. So I, I think it's one of those things where when you look at Malcolm Jenkins and how much he was struggling against Darren Waller, what did they do? They adjusted. They moved other guys on him. And they even tried Lattimore on him at one point. So they, they were at least trying different things to slow down Waller. I don't feel like they were trying different things to help out C.J. Gardner-Johnson. And I, I, I that to me... I, I, I'm sure he'll bounce back and he'll be fine, but I just point the finger at Dennis Allen there and the coaching staff. They should have put someone else in the slot because that was killing them all game. Yeah. Final thought, and then we'll get out of here, is be on high alert if you are a patron. And this is another reason if you're not a patron to become a patron. I really believe that because of the COVID protocols and the complication, I think the trade deadline – I think there's going to be more action later this week than on deadline day. I think teams are going to be like, we got to get this done. We want to get them in. We want to get them through the protocols and make sure we're good to go before deadline day. So I really think the action is going to st- going to really heat up tomorrow or, or like today's Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think it's going to heat up this week. So you want to be a patron because let me tell you, if the Saints do something ridiculous like trade for J.J. Watt or any other move, our podcast, we're going to be freaking first with the breaking news before anybody else. We'll react to it before all the other podcasts and while all the other writers are writing their stories. Our podcast will be up while you're jonesing for that Saints news when they make a move. We'll have it. So it's just another reason to become a patron. Uh, so guys, do it already. Become a $10 patron. And if you can't see, if you sign up annually, you save 5%. So why wouldn't you do it? So thanks for joining us. For Andrew, I'm Ralph. We will see you again tomorrow.